Conditions. You have to line up with my neighbor rendition. See, you have to line up with my position on the border wall, immigration and prison reform. See, neighbor, you don't have to look like me, but you have to conform and assimilate to what I think is the norm. And if not, I'll unfriend you, I'll block you, I'll drop you. Behind your back, you can be sure that I'll mock you. And if you do line up with my ideas, well, great. But wait, I need to check your papers, your credit score, and by the way, are you straight? Because honestly, I hate people that are different than me. I don't even talk to half the people in my family tree because they don't know how to be a good neighbor like me. There's still a lot of people that flow like that They say they want to be your neighbor But only if you think like them Vote like them If you're unwoke like them But the reality is We're all under construction We need God's help To build with our neighbors But what did Jesus really mean When he said we must love our neighbor As we love ourselves? Well most people don't really know Because their Bible's collecting dust Up on the shelf well, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus answers the question. He was asked, who is my neighbor? There's a powerful lesson. His culture, like ours, was full of discrimination. People also decided who was their neighbor by process of elimination. So he told this parable of this Samaritan that was despised and how two religious leaders walked by and basically compromised. He revised this Samaritan's title to good because he stopped and helped this beat up Jew like a true neighbor would. Even though their people had beef. And if that Jew wasn't hurt, he might have actually given that Samaritan grief. So we can learn that no matter their lifestyle, politics, or skin color, we can show our neighbor the love of Christ as a sister or a brother. Let's love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Do you remember what Jesus said was the most important commandment when they asked him, Teacher, teacher, of all the religious you know, laws and commandments, which one's the most important? What did he say? And that's right. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But don't stop there. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. He just mentioned it in the video. 
But we're going to read the whole scripture in Luke chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, over three-fourths of the way through the Bible in your New Testament. Or you can just type in L in your Bible apps and get there real fast. <laughs> this is a story that is well known. The Good Samaritan. Even people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't trust in Jesus or follow Him, they still use this passage and this teaching, this ancient teaching, to say we should love other people and have compassion and help those in need. But it's, even though it's well known, it's harder to follow, isn't it? That's a lot of scriptural teachings. It's kind of simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, sometimes because we like to pick and choose, like he said, who we will love and how we will love them, and we kind of keep our distance. These people deserve help. These people don't deserve help. And Well, let's see what Jesus has to say. Luke chapter 10. Verse 29, but I'm going to guess and say that Jesus' love doesn't discriminate. <laughs> Jesus' love does not discriminate. Luke 10, verse 29. This man who's wanting to know, he asked, uh, wanted to justify his actions of what he didn't want to do. So, Jesus, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A Levite, a religious man, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised, a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, <clears throat> telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. Hmm. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And that's it. The one who showed him mercy. Even this despised Samaritan, if you have your bulletin notes, you want to write this down. Just what Jesus says uh, Jesus says we need to grow to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this isn't particularly easy sometimes, and it's not natural, and that's why I said we've got to grow in this. Who was I talking to the other day? Um, was it Mara, Rachel? I don't remember. About stopping, oh, maybe we were reading in, in the Proverbs, and we talk about learning and growing. And I asked my kids, you know, once we're past school years, do we stop learning then? In college, and Sunday school, you know, as a kid, we, we stop learning, right? No. No! <laughs> and that's right. And that's what they said. Hallie said, no. Learning and growing is a lifelong pursuit. As long as I am alive, as long as I am still, you know, conscious and aware, I want to be learning and growing. I've heard of people in their hospital beds having like encyclopedias or, or commentary and Bible next to them and they're just reading, reading and continuing to learn and continuing to grow, never stopping that process. And hopefully we don't just read the information in the Bible, but we act it out. That's the application. 
So we want, we want to be growing in loving our neighbor as our, ourselves. This is, it can be hard. We talked about this many times. We live in such a, a me-first, narcissistic culture where it's hard to get our, our vision outside of ourselves sometimes, isn't it? Beyond ourselves. And um, this person asked Jesus, sort of trying to find a loophole. Okay, but who is my neighbor? Jesus, he says, uh, love, love your neighbor, but eh, what are the qualifications? Because you don't mean love everybody, right? Because that would take a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money to love all these people. He's trying to find a loophole. And sometimes in our lives, we try to find loopholes, uh, trying to get out of loving people who maybe don't, maybe this is what the man was doing, trying to find a loophole uh, out of the, serving the people who don't look like him, think like him, act like him. Sometimes we can try to find that loophole too. Of, yeah, I'll love my neighbor as long as I get along with them or they're this way or they're this political inclination or you know, they have these certain characteristics that I'm comfortable with approaching them. We can do this too. Consciously, maybe it's subconsciously, maybe we're not real judgy on the outside, but inside we, we are making these judgments and processing the people that we're comfortable around. Maybe... Maybe we're more inclined to serve people when we're in the same income bracket or the same economic status or maybe even in the same physical neighborhood or maybe uh, folks that we share the same beliefs with. Maybe we're more inclined to show love to people if they're around the same age as us because we relate to them better. Or maybe if they're the same skin color as us. Or maybe they have the same amount of tattoos and piercings. As us, because those people who are all, they got the neck stuff and the gauges and, the, and it's just, oh, I don't want to go to them. Or maybe it's vice versa too. Maybe people who are tatted up say, oh, these people, they look too clean. They, they need some art on their bodies. <laughs> people who are outside of us, maybe um, they don't vote the same way as you do. And so we can create distance here. But Jesus never ever, ever said, only love and serve those who look, act, and think like you. That, that is found nowhere in Scripture. Jesus says, love everybody, love your neighbor, and the neighbor is everybody, no matter what they look like, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've, uh, where they come from. A lot of folks look down on people who are in jail. You know, the jails, and they deserve that, and they earn that, and they got to do their time. And there's different jail ministries around the country and around the world showing love and compassion to some of the people who are the least thought about, the least cared for. Nancy. Well, we did this, I think, just last week. Um, mm -hmm. But the question was, why did the priest and the Levite walk on past the guy? And one of the issues was they didn't want the hassle. Because sure. they would have had to be purified again to go do their thing in the temple. Because either this man was dead from what they could see, oh. or he was bleeding. You know, and both those things were defiled sure. when they'd have to go through this whole thing. Oh, okay. So it was, they didn't want the hassle, you know. And the Samaritan that really wasn't bound by any of that, you know, was able to actually mm -hmm. yeah. be to the traveling man that's the thing though isn't it isn't really loving somebody uh, truly meeting their needs isn't it a hassle or at least a partial hassle most of the time uh, if it were so easy we'd all do it all the time but that's the thing it's it takes time it takes energy it takes money it takes a lot of compassion and um 
caring for another person, like you said, the, maybe the priest or the Levite, they had to go through some religious rituals afterward if they had blood on them back then. The serving and loving our neighbor is going to take stepping outside of ourselves. It's going to take getting messy and dirty or bloody sometimes. It's going to take us being willing to do the inconvenient things. Are you and I willing to do that? So Jesus was trying to make this point to us. He's trying to, to help these people back then understand and us understand. And so he tells this parable. And he kind of starts it off. Uh, I, thought, I always think it's funny. He's like, all right, guys, so a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walk into a bar, right? And that's, it sounds like a joke, Jesus is starting here, but it's a parable. But he's not joking around. He's getting a huge point across. That we are called to love and serve our neighbors, despite all our many differences we might have. We, of course, if you know your history, the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. They would call them half-breeds. They, were, they would go walk uh, around their city just miles and miles. We're not talking like on the 75 highway, 80 miles an hour. Like it took hours and hours or sometimes longer than that. Days, I don't know. I never walked it. But, but um, out of their way to avoid these people. They were so despised by uh, the Jewish culture. And so that's why Jesus says the despised Samaritan. It's kind of a, um, just a, a rub in their face, a slap in their face to the, the priests and the Levites, the people, the religious people, the church people who should be helping the most. Walk on by. Don't want to get out of their comfort zones. Don't want to go through the hassle. Don't want to take the time. So this despised Samaritan is actually a good Samaritan. He, he flips this belief uh, on the Jewish people's heads that, yeah, these Samaritans you despise so much, you know, God loves them too. And, you know, they're kind of, they might be more loving than you guys sometimes. You think they're despised, but he actually showed incredible love towards this man who's hurting. And the Samaritan, he got his hands dirty, didn't he? And maybe bloody. Maybe unclean from this. He's, he's cleaning the, the guy's wounds. He's bandaging his wounds. He, he gets him an Uber donkey you know, to the hotel. And he pays for the ride. And he tips five stars. You know? And uh, he pays for the hotel. He says, if there's any other bills, let me know. Out of his own wallet. You know, it's easy to spend other people's money, right? If you're in a business uh, and you, know, you write checks for your employer... Or we have a, a missions fund here at the church and we're going to do some projects. We're going to write out of our missions fund. It's real easy to spend the church's money and say, hey, here you go. Here, here's some free stuff. We, we love you here to help. But it's different when it's coming from you and you feel that, ooh, ooh, that hurt in your wallet. And you're like, oh, this is my own money. Okay. Oh, you've really got to be invested and you've really got to have that compassion in your heart to give out of your own and to get messy. And sometimes it's going to get dirty. See, the natural approach for our lives is to kind of be a hands-off. And we don't want to, these people are dirty, these people are messy. I don't want to get involved, we say. You know, and, and maybe I'll help, but here, you know, I'll help from afar. And, ew, oopsie, sorry, Jim. Dirt, glitter, now dirt. Oh, no. At least the dirt isn't up in the cobwebs. Hey, I could make that happen. 
But we kind of want to help from afar and we don't want to get too messy and involved in other people's lives. And they're kind of over there and we're doing our own, you know, middle class American thing over here. And, and we don't want to stoop down and humble ourselves all the time or, or get involved. It's inconvenient. But Jesus says, put that long distance thing away. You know, it's easy to give online to buy a malaria net for kids in Africa, and they need that too. But when we get involved, when we get down in the mess and the dirt and the grime and the grit of people's lives, and we get our hands dirty and messy, Jesus says that real love is inconvenienced by others, being willing to be inconvenienced by others. In some people's lives, I'll tell you, 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 you deal with it, and maybe you are that person sometimes that has a, a messy, dirty, uh, just kind of drama-filled life. But that's people that need us the most. And you know what? They're not perfect, and we're not perfect either. And that's why we need Jesus, and they need Jesus too, and we, we need... Hey Jim, how's it going? And we need to get down into the... To have real compassion means maybe getting to other people's levels, uh, meeting them where they're at, and not just throwing money at them, but maybe really having a conversation with them, getting to know them over time and what their situation is, what their needs are, helping them in multiple ways instead of just, hey, here's some food, you know, go bye-bye. Like actually, maybe inviting them into your house. And some people, I'll tell you, some people's lives are, are really dirty, and that's okay. Sometimes they smell a certain way or look a certain way. And we need to have the compassion inside of ourselves, the, the love that is willing to get messy for the things of Jesus. And what do we do? Jesus calls us to, to plant seeds, right? To plant the seed of hope in people's life, right? And to plant the seeds of mercy. As he's big enough for you can see. Plant the seed of, of mercy in people's lives. Plant the seed of compassion in the lives of other people. Plant the seed of kindness. Boy, the world needs some more kindness, doesn't it? How about planting the seed of peace? The world is just war-torn and just so unpeaceful. How about the seed of hope? Some people just are, they have nothing to look forward to. Just so hopeless and we can give them the hope of Jesus in their life. Plant the seeds of joy and everything else. And we plant those seeds getting messy, getting dirty in the lives of people who need us the most, in the lives of people who need Jesus the most. And then we pray that God would water those seeds that we planted and help them to grow, it's by God's power that He works through us. It's not by our power. It's what He's doing in the lives of other people. And if we're faithful and we get messy and dirty <laughs> into the muck and mire of the world of, of the people who need us, you know what happens? God makes beautiful things. God takes those seeds that we planted in the lives of other people and the service and the love and the compassion and the kindness and the mercy that we give to other people and He can grow something beautiful 
and something amazing and something life-giving in other people's lives that maybe they have never had before. Maybe they never knew that they would have, they never thought it possible for them to have hope and peace and joy beyond their circumstances. That somebody would actually dare to get messy and get dirty and care for them. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you get involved in my mess? Because we love you. Because we care for you. Because we want to be there for you. Because Jesus loves you. And you know what? We, Jesus uh, and God's love flows through us in that way because they loved us first. And we can spread that love to other people. And, and they can know the love of God in, in a small way and the love of Jesus through us and through what uh, our actions and what we do. The beautiful things that God can bloom and make in the lives of other people. Yeah, Kent, would you help me out a little bit? I'm talking about getting messy, now I'm trying to get clean. Oh, that's a good one. Jesus cleans us up. Oh, there we go. He cleans up our mess and our filth and our sin, and He can do that for other people as they know Him. Now, their lives aren't going to be fully perfect, and neither is ours, but that's why we need Jesus, right? He can clean up our mess, but we can plant those seeds... Are we willing? Are we willing to get our hands dirty for the sake of Jesus and for other people? Are we willing? Oh, there I did again. Ken. Are we willing? I just can't help myself. No, it's fine. To, to get messy for the gospel for Jesus. Do you love your neighbor that much that you would enter into their mess and their struggles and their trauma and their hang-ups and their difficulties and you would shine a light of Jesus <laughs> in their lives. If we're filled with God's mercy, we do. If we're filled with God's compassion, we are willing to do anything short of sin to help other people know the love of Christ. Anything that we can do, we should be doing to help other people know the love of Jesus. I appreciate... Um, this quote, it says, Mercy takes action when others take off. Mercy takes action <laughs> when others take off. They don't want to be a part of the mess. It's too much. Don't want to get involved. Their lives are complicated. Are they going to mess up my life? Are they going to complicate my life? And Jesus would probably say, Yeah. So what? Do you love me that much that you would show mercy to others uh, when other people take off? I like Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote. He says about this parable, The first question which the priest and Levi asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan reversed the question, If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? I was like, ooh, that's, that's powerful right there. It's not just about what's going to happen to me. But if I don't stop and help, what will happen to this person if I do not enter into their life, their mess, and help them? What would happen if I don't? Would they ever have the seeds of 
joy and hope and peace and love and mercy and compassion and grace planted in their life to be able to grow up to something beautiful that they can know Jesus and, and have eternal life and help other people know Him too. Are we willing to enter into that? Or will we keep our distance like the priest and the Levite? Will we keep our distance because it's uncomfortable? Because it's a hassle? Or will we be opening to love our neighbor and show them uh, the love and mercy of God no matter what? That's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Why do we do all this? Not to earn God's love. Not to say, hey, look at all my deeds, God. On the day of, so, uh, on the day of judgment, uh, Jesus, look at what I've done. Aren't I such a good person? I'm a good little boy. I did good little things. I gave a good little amount of money to help people. That's not Christianity. We don't earn God's love. We never could deserve it. He gives it to us anyway. And then we, we express His love to other people because of what He's done to us. Last passage today, if you turn with me to John 15. John 15, verse 5. John 15, verse 5. Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Right? He's the life giver and He works through us to bring hope and mercy to other people. Those who remain in Me and I in them will produce much fruit. Don't you want to produce much fruit for Jesus? For apart from Me you can do how much? Nothing! Nothing! Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Who wants to be a useless branch thrown away and burned up by Jesus? Not me. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. I want to be a true disciple, Jesus. Okay, produce much fruit. Be faithful to the calling. This brings great glory to my Father. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. It's not, oh, I guess I have to follow Jesus. I'm filled with a burden. I'm grumpy. Do I? Oh, I have to serve. I have to get your twist in my arm, Jesus. No. We do this because we are filled with joy. Joy. And that's a very different perspective to be serving out of joy. And I lost my place. I'll just repeat it again. Joy. Yes. Your joy will overflow. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends. You're friends of Jesus. How about that? Since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. What? One another. Love one another. It's that simple. Huh. Isn't that simple? Love. Simple. Piece of cake. On paper. 
It's a piece of cake. Seems easy. In practice, it's a lot more difficult. In practice, for people whose lives, you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a roller coaster. But that's love. In practice, things are a lot harder <laughs> than just love one another. You can write this down if you have your bulletin. We love because God first loved us. That's it. That's it. We love. Why? Why do we love? Out of guilt, out of shame, out of command, uh, out of arm twisting diligence. No. Out of love. Because He's first loved us. He, God and Jesus, have filled us with such power and His Spirit that it overflows. We can't help. True disciple. Faithful servant. It just wells up inside of us, overflows from us. Compassion, love, mercy, service, generosity to other people. Because we have been given so much grace and love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness for our Father we have to, have to, have to let it continue through us and not just hoard all of God's love for ourselves. That's, that's the motivator. That's the catalyst. God's love makes everything happen inside of us. Understanding When we understand what God has done for us, I mean, when we truly understand, not just Jesus loves you, He died for you. Yay. Let's sing a song. If you ever watch The Passion of the Christ, you get a picture, a very hard picture of what Jesus, His love, practically did. And how the Father, I mean any of you that are parents, imagine your child, sacrificing your child on the cross for the sins of other people who don't deserve it. Ah, that is, I don't know, that, I don't know if I could do that. Because I'm not God and I don't have that much covenant, endless, miraculous love. Yeah, Nancy? I was crying because I, I realized I'm not worthy. I appreciate that emotion. I think we should all have that. Understanding our unworthiness. Understanding that we deserve none of this life. Like just life. Like just being alive. We didn't make that happen. God made the miracle of life available. And the miracle of eternal life. We should be overwhelmed with gratitude. Thankfulness. Joy. When somebody gives you a gift that is way more than anything you could possibly deserve, we, we get that pushback. Like, I don't, I, okay, let me pay you back. Let me, let me give you something in return. But there's nothing we can do to return God's love except surrender our lives to Him and love others. Follow His commandments. Love God and love other people. And that it's our privilege. God gives us this overwhelming love. Overwhelming. Isn't that a song, Greg? 
Oh, you're overwhelming, never... Right? We sing that. Is it overwhelming? Did I get it right? You don't know? What is it? It does say overwhelming, right? Yeah, see, okay. I'm bad with song lyrics, but I did get the overwhelming part. Got the overwhelming part. We sing that, but are we, re- are we ever actually overwhelmed? Or do we just go on with our day and busy, busy, go get lunch and then go clean the house and do the laundry and mow the yard and, you know, got to get ready for work and school. And maybe we should just take time this week. Pray, God, would you overwhelm me with the knowledge of your love and grace and forgiveness in my life? I want to feel it so that I can have that heart to... Love other people. Oh, uh, overwhelmed. When was the last time you were overwhelmed with God's love and grace and forgiveness? Was there a time? Spend some time in prayer. Let's do that this week. Read this passage and the other verses in your, in your notes. Uh, there's a really great one I didn't get to today on this bullet point. First uh, John. The love of God. The love of Jesus. Read that and just sit there. Meditate. Help me to understand, barely understand your love, God. Because it's so big and it's so great and it's so vast. And your compassion is way more than I could ever give. Your forgiveness, God. Oh, I thank you, but oh, I have a hard time giving your forgiveness to other people. And your grace and your mercy. I try, Lord, I try. But your, your grace and your love is so big. Miraculous. Truly awesome in the, every sense of the word. Can we be overwhelmed with God's love? We're going to sing one last song. Uh, but here's our challenge. Not just be, be overwhelmed by God's love. Spend some time there, but... Sign up for a service project. But don't just make it an event or a project this one time at Troy View Church. We've got to live a life of service and a life of love and compassion and mercy. Not just around Easter when Dan's doing Love Our City one time in 2022. 24-7, 365. It's living the life of love and service to others. So what will you do this week to step up and show that mercy of being willing to get dirty for Jesus, to enter into the lives of other people who perhaps are messy. Maybe it's somebody you live with. We're not going to name any names or point any fingers, but (laughs) it starts at home, right? Let's plant those seeds of mercy and compassion and hope and grace, and forgiveness, and love to the people around us because of how much overwhelming love and mercy and grace and forgiveness God has shown us. Let's stand and sing praises, hallelujah, to our Savior.
Heavenly Father, we do trust in you with every breath that we take. Help us to surrender every single part of our life to you, not just our Sunday mornings or the parts of our life that are convenient and comfortable, but all that we are belongs to you, Father, because of what you did on the cross through your Son, Jesus, which we remember this Good Friday. Thank you, Father, for not setting limits on your love for us, Help us to leave this place with your love, not setting limits on our love for other people to go and be your hands and feet in this world. And just like Jesus got messy and dirty and bloody on this earth for our sins to bring us forgiveness and grace and compassion, help us to enter into the dirt and the grime the difficult situations and struggles of people in the world around us. Thank you for entering into our struggles and our difficulties and our rough situations. Help us to be a conduit for your compassion and grace to the people around us. Thank you, God, for Palm Sunday. We say Hosanna. In your name, to the King. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen.